when I came into healthcare, I was a bit surprised by how far behind healthcare was. I think generally a, a good job has been done in closing that gap, but there's much more to be done. This is The Art of Change from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. I'm David Schifrin. That was Paul Madsen. Matson is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Cleveland Clinic, where he's been for 14 years. Prior to that, he held a similar role at Delta Airlines. Now, Matson's comments will sound familiar to anyone who's been even tangentially involved in conversations about consumerism in healthcare. It's a version of, if X consumer brand can offer Y type of convenience, anything from online scheduling to creating an inviting physical facility, why can't healthcare providers? And even if the question isn't new, Madsen was referring to a moment in his career 14 years ago, we are faced with an opportunity today to make some pretty big strides towards answering it. There's been enough disruption that we can shuffle some pieces around to make something better out of the pandemic. Here, we're going to look at the role marketing can play in that process. Now, that may sound a little bit off to you. Does the marketing department really create or own the consumer experience? Or in this case, the patient experience? Can marketing really be a driving force towards consumerized healthcare? Yes, and not only can, but should. That's the underlying assumption that we're working from throughout this volume of The Art of Change. You'll hear bits of that throughout this podcast, but without it, things won't make sense. So to get more on that philosophy, be sure to check out aoc.gerardinc.com and read our cover piece on designing the new experience. Okay, so anyway, so back to Madsen and his thinking as he moved from the travel industry to healthcare. Where healthcare continues to lag, and we're very focused on this at Cleveland Clinic, is providing digital tools for the patient experience. So integrating the full experience from content to having patients have a greater ability to self-manage their experience. And that's what patients' expectations or consumers' expectations are in virtually every industry. I always you know, talk to my folks about, you think about the airline industry today, you, you book your flight online, you, you choose your seat, you check yourself in, you probably tag your own bag. Um, you scan your boarding pass at the gate. When you get in your seat, you see that your bag has been loaded and then unloaded, and then you get a customer satisfaction survey probably before you've gotten to your hotel. That wasn't the way it was when I started in the travel industry, but you know, they've made incredible progress. Healthcare needs to make similar progress. It's worth a look back to why healthcare is in this position. Marquis Stillwell is founder and principal of Openbox, a New York-based design firm that works on urban living, which includes everything from food to education to transportation and healthcare. He points out that the focus of healthcare hasn't been where it should have been, in part due to the incentives. This everything's for the way that we look at it is we need to focus on people, people-centered, and it's a systems design challenge. And when the system is only designed for the system, whether that's insurance, hospital systems, doctors, you know, everyone is scaling to meet the needs of those systems versus scaling to meet the needs of, of people, people suffer. And we need to do the proper systems analysis and to understand how to redesign the system. How do we do that? By asking people what they need. Well, I mean, from a designer standpoint, for us, it's, it's always about getting out and talking to people, to real people, and, and building trust from the beginning of the conversation. It's obvious, right? Listening and understanding what your customers need is a product development 101 or marketing 101, right? Sure, but again, it's not happening enough in healthcare, and it's easy to get distracted. 
especially when providers are trying to align the payers and the regulators and the policymakers and so many other stakeholders. We're not going to pretend that this is easy or that these barriers are artificial. It's a real challenge. One way to make it easier, though, seems to be starting with the patient and then building the necessary infrastructure for insurance policy and all the rest around people, not doing the opposite and backing into the patients. Again, still well. They're not a part of the end product. They're part of the full system. And so if they can be a part of the full system, then that means that we're thinking about them first. You don't think about them first in the last process, right? Oh, yeah, once you sit down and you're sitting in your, your, your doctor's office, now we're going to focus on you as a patient. I think that we need to begin the process of designing better systems at the first mile, not the last mile. Here, Matt Gove has a word of warning. Gove is the chief marketing officer at Summit City MD, also based in New York. Summit is one of the largest independent physician practices in the country. City MD is the largest urgent care company in the New York metro area. They merged back in August of 2019. Gove spends his time thinking about how to capture demand by giving people a good experience from start to finish. And that word of warning, don't do it by throwing a bunch of shiny objects at people. I'm fascinated with the way that patients enter into our systems and how they come to choose us and why. And so instead of what I've seen consistently in this industry, particularly since it's a little behind in terms of engaging consumers. And so it's constantly chasing examples in other industries of how to do things, but that ends up usually being a, a more tech centric solution. So that it's more about, oh, look at this cool thing that they do at Delta, for instance, or whomever it is, we should do that here. Instead of starting with the customer and saying, how do they choose us? Why do they choose us? And how can we make that journey better for them? And maybe there are applications out there that uh, other consumer-focused companies are using to do that. Um, but often, uh, if you start there, what you'll realize is that that solution that, that you were chasing may not be the thing that your customers really want or need. In other words... In the quest to become more consumer-centric like other industries, healthcare providers may get too focused on the end, being consumer-centric, and actually miss the mark because they didn't employ the right means. Instead, providers need to very intentionally work through the decision-making process of a prospective patient and then build around that. You know, I've been in healthcare for 11 years now, and so I think I've gotten a fair amount of experience um, working with physicians. And so we have some pretty strong opinions amongst the leadership. We typically are very large organizations, right? And so in very large organizations, you have usually a fairly sizable executive team full of really smart people, sometimes physicians at health systems in particular. And, and so where you end up is a lot of really smart people chasing solutions. And while they are patient centric, particularly in the way that they deliver care, they're not consumer-centric in the way that they think about how decisions are made. And, and so if we, if we start with the customer and what they need from us instead of what we need from them, it should be easier for us to separate the promising applications or other technologies that will ease the, their journey a little, make their experience better. 
and we, it's not saying we won't make mistakes, but we should make fewer mistakes if we really do start with that consumer mindset first. An interesting note here is that we may actually be hindered in this effort by the language we use. Stillwell pointed out the transactional and frankly limited nature of English. Yeah, language matters. And, you know, one thing that I I would also say that's problematic is that because in this country we are very hesitant to allow for other languages, we've also limited ourselves in the way that we're able to communicate certain levels of feelings, right? I think that in Europe, what's interesting when we compare different healthcare systems I don't think we take into account all the different languages that are spoken, which means that there are so many different ways to actually express one's feelings. English is such a business language. It's very flat. It's very one way and directional in regards to it being transactional. And there's not always room to actually express how someone is feeling. In that clip, Stillwell was talking specifically about how patients express what they're feeling to their doctor during a visit, but we can take that same idea and apply it more broadly. People have access to more information, they're coming in more informed, which means that the emotional weight of the situation increases so they're even more invested. Marketers need to take this into account when listening and developing messages and tools to take to people to draw them in and capture that demand. So just as a baseline, I feel like that sometimes is just a limit, it's a constraint, but if you just go you know, further into understanding how, as an English-speaking country, how do we actually create language that allows people to express how they feel? And it's, it's, it's about creating better frameworks that allow people to say, hey, this is what I'd like to happen. Um, this is what like, i like to understand. We've, we did that when it came to consumerism, right? So, For instance, buying a car now is a different experience because me as a car buyer, I come in with just as much knowledge as the person that's selling the car. I've probably watched more videos than that person. So as a, as a consumer, I can come in to a car buying situation and really be able to express how I feel. So the car buying experience has become even more emotional for the buyer because of all the YouTube videos that they've watched, (laughs) everything that they've Googled, they can come in and know exactly the difference in color. It could be the same black car. And they're like, no, I want metallic. And so if we can use, use that as a proxy for understanding how can we actually provide real information for patients that allow them to feel empowered. You can see the feedback loop that Stillwell is describing. More information leads to deeper emotional engagement, which requires more careful listening in order to offer even better information. And that information isn't necessarily to push an agenda or tell people what to do. It's there to build trust and to give people agency over their decisions. And they'll give their attention and their business to the people or organizations that they trust. This is where marketers should be getting really excited. Paul Matson again. Healthcare providers are in a unique position to provide trusted content to consumers. And we're not in an industry where we're trying to sell things in a traditional way. And what, what patients and communities rely on us for is trusted information. So throughout the pandemic, we've been a source that people have turned to, to understand the disease, to understand testing, to understand good practices for wearing masks, for hygiene, for social distancing, and also to answer the 
and and in many cases clarify questions or misperceptions that people had. So how is that working out for the Cleveland Clinic? So I had a, a little statistic that uh, I thought I would, would be interesting for folks is since March 13th, which was essentially when we really started to ramp up to engage in communications around the pandemic, we've done over 11,500 social media posts with 176 million impressions. Now that reflects the scale and the size of the Cleveland Clinic's brand and what we're able to do, but creating the creating relevant content, uh, trusted content is essential. If you're a local hospital, a community hospital, or an individual physician practice, that applies to you. The scale of your communications may be different. The frequency of your communications may be different, but you're in a unique position to provide trusted content to your patients and to your community. That can be on your website, in your Facebook feed. It can be through the earned media, getting your experts out there in the public and positioning yourself as a go-to source for trusted information. Once again, listening to understand what questions people are asking is the only way to do this effectively. Matson explained part of his process to keep up with all that information and all those questions. So it's, it's, an, it's an everyday process of engagement. We're always obviously monitoring what's going on in the broader world of healthcare and policy. We're regularly talking to all of our physicians and leaders to understand what's, what's happening. That could include from clinical to research to government affairs policy uh, or community. So it's essential that we are deeply integrated into the entire organization and that we're seen internally as a key partner and at the same time having the appropriate external relationships as well. And, you know, we do something we've done during the pandemic. It so, sounds so fundamental, but it's been essential. We're doing a weekly email to over a million patients. And uh, every week we talk to our contact center, our call center, to hear what questions they're receiving from patients. At the same time, since March, we've had over 90,000 comments and messages on our social media channels. So we review all of those. So there's a constant source of questions coming from the uh, outside that you know we can see where the trends are, see what issues really need to be addressed. No surprise, safety was a common theme when it came to issues patients care about and that marketing needs to address today. As you listen to Gove in this next clip, it's fair to think about his comments in terms of an immediate and literal sense because, again, safety, helping people feel comfortable coming back for care is key right now. But also use it as a representative for other issues or concerns because in the long run, Gove's most important point is the one at the very beginning of this next clip, the one about managing expectations. And that's true regardless of the specific situation. Well, we, we started early with messaging about how we were making the process safer, right? Seek to ease people's uh, minds, mostly by, by managing their expectations, right? If you can give people a clear sense of what the experience is going to be like, it certainly helps. And so as we called patients, one of the things we did is we called every patient that missed an appointment during the the worst of the crisis and said, hey, we're going to start opening back up. Dr. Smith uh, is uh, ready to see you again. Here are all of the things we're doing in our offices to make sure that it's safe for you. 
and, and walk through the process by the time they get there in their automobile or however they got there and say, this is the process of check-in and how it's going to work. There will be screeners at the doors. Every waiting room will be spaced. Here's what to do if you don't feel well. Here are the requirements we have for every patient around masks and social distancing and, and really be consistent about the application of that. And then the general messaging uh, that we sent via email to all of our patients on both sides of our business, the multi-specialty practice and the urgent care was around ensuring that they knew that going to the physician, going to the doctor to, to seek care for an issue you're having is even more important now. And so we, we tried to be as consultative as possible in individual conversations with patients. And then our, our broader messaging to all patients, it was really about, uh, here's what we're gonna do to make sure you're safe. And we, we reiterated that, right? We didn't assume that one message would be enough. So over the course of two months, we probably sent six messages to our total patient base, helping them understand how we were opening, when the hours were changing, reiterating all of the safety precautions that we had in place. Okay, so we're hearing that we need to listen carefully, giving people room to express their needs. Then we use that feedback to provide useful trust-building information that satisfies a potential customer or patient and conveniently puts your organization top of mind. You'll note that we haven't directly addressed marketing tactics and channels. We will get there here in a bit. We've instead tried to set up the overall environment, almost the vibe that needs to be in place for all of this to work. And this gets back to the idea that marketing needs to own or at least be heavily involved in the patient experience. And that has operational implications. Creating the environment and the systems provide this end-to-end -end experience requires operational decisions, investment in different tools, training for physicians and staff, and much more. That's departments across the organization that are involved. But if marketing owns the message, the reputation of the organization, it has to have a hand in making those operational decisions so that the message matches the reality and the reputation is strengthened every time someone comes in for care. Sonia Thompson is founder and CEO of Thompson Media Group. She spent years in healthcare and biotech marketing and now helps companies create inclusive messages. We hear a lot from her in the podcast, Trust, Belonging, and Inclusive Healthcare, also part of this art of change, so be sure to check that out. But anyway, for now, Thompson pointed out that a brand, which is largely a marketing term, is built on experience, which is informed by operational decisions. And it takes a lot of work and ongoing energy to cultivate. So building a brand is all about your reputation. What is it that people think of whenever they're encountering you along every part of your customer experience, right? So for instance, I was just over the weekend, I've been trying to complete a transaction at my bank and my bank, they want their brand to be about convenience but everything about the experience and multiple touch points over the past couple of days with them was anything but convenient, right? So they want their brand to be one thing, but what I'm actually experiencing as a consumer says that it's something completely different. So going back to what we said, branding is about your reputation, but it's also something that is, is a moving target. It's not something that you've established one time because you can do a bunch of work to establish your reputation, your brand in the minds of consumers. But 
one interaction, the last three interactions can sort of ruin that reputation and just sort of diminish the perception that people have of your brand in an instance. So my worldview is that branding is an ongoing process that is established, maintained, nurtured, and cultivated through the customer experience that you deliver to the people who interact with you on an ongoing basis. Marketing then can serve almost as a switchboard to make sure the operations and finance and HR and other departments are connected in the right way to deliver on the experience people expect. Paul Matson explained what can happen when marketing takes the lead. When we research and talk to patients, they see Cleveland Clinic's care, they see Cleveland Clinic's brand as being highly distinctive. That comes from a number of different areas. It comes from the, our clinical excellence and our reputation for clinical excellence, our transparency around providing outcomes and data. It comes from our reputation for being innovative. So patients can see the difference. They see it in the architecture and design of our facilities. Most importantly, it comes from our culture, which was founded 99 years ago on the concept of teamwork and acting together as a unit. And that's alive and very vital today and all centered around putting patients first. So it's true, not unlike the airline industry. You asked me about my experience in the airline industry. Airlines fly the same airplanes into the same airports. But why is it that certain airline brands are perceived to be superior than others? And it's the overall experience that they deliver. And a lot of that gets back to their culture and, and leadership. I think, I think as it relates to healthcare marketing, I think healthcare leaders need to develop a better understanding of what marketing and communications means to their organization, that you can differentiate your brand, that you can differentiate your patient experience and service offering, and that marketing and communications is an important part of that process, that digital content and digital experience are an essential part of that process. It's true in every other brand, in every other product category, and so I think healthcare leaders need to step back sometimes and raise their expectations for what communications and marketing can do and not accept commoditization. One final note, which will bring us back full circle to the opening section about learning from other industries. It also gets to the tactics. You just heard Matson reference digital channels. Delivering an excellent experience depends on digital now more than ever. So much has changed in healthcare over the past few months, but other things, as we often note here, have only been reinforced. So even before you get into the big picture changes and rethinking how your marketing department could operate, check to make sure you've got the basics well covered. Here's Matson one more time. You know, I think the, um, the last few months have actually brought into sharp focus the trends that we've been seeing in healthcare for the last decade, healthcare marketing for the last decade. And that is the inexorable move towards a digital first strategy. At the Cleveland Clinic, we've talked for years about wanting to make our communications and marketing digital, mobile, and measurable in everything that we do. And I think by building that position, taking that approach over the last years, we were extremely well positioned for the COVID pandemic because it has really required excellence on digital platforms and the ability to move and adapt with incredible speed that digital provides. The importance of digital can't be overstated. So when we look at our national brand today for Cleveland Clinic, 
the number one way that national consumers or national patients find out about Cleveland Clinic for the first time is digital sources. Uh, and that means they're finding out about us through our website, through social media, paid search. So we have the documented data that says digital has become uh, a vitally important platform for your brand to be known to patients and consumers. Matt Gove has seen something similar at Summit City MD. The, the basic rules haven't changed. The way that the experience that we deliver when a patient comes to us has changed significantly, particularly around safety and waiting. For instance, people wait in their cars now and we have a texting sort of program that goes back and forth. But from the patient acquisition side, you know, the, the, the same rules are still true. Unlike a lot of consumer businesses, we don't generate demand, right? The, we use similar tools, but our job is to capture demand. Like we can't make you sick. We can't make you need a procedure. And so the tools and tactics that we've used the entire time, paid search, uh, paid social, sophisticated display networks that get us in front of the right people. We're still doing those tactics and they're still proving fairly uh, successful because while people were staying out of physicians' offices for a while, as it was, as the crisis was growing, you can't put off your regular care. And so that was an important message to get out and, and us being there to capture that demand is really how we've done it. All right. So that's where we are right now. We will be covering marketing and digital tools and customer and patient experience a lot more as we go forward. But for now, let us know what you think. What is the role of marketing going forward? How much should it be involved in those operational decisions? Head over to aoc.gerardinc.com to subscribe and let us know. Drop us a note. You can also find us on Twitter at Gerard Inc as well as LinkedIn. But again, drop us a note and let us know what you're thinking about in terms of marketing and healthcare going forward and its role in developing the patient experience.